In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On this great feast day of Saint Josemaria, we want to call upon him, we call upon our Lord, with a desire to contemplate the action of God in the soul of this faith, faithful servant in order to appreciate the newness of Opus Dei. We, can take an, we will take advantage of a very beautiful article that appears on the website of Opus Dei called Something Great That Is Love. That title is the title of a series of installments and the one we will consider at length is the sixth installment. We know so well that our Lord in the Gospel compares the kingdom of God to a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it grows up, it becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. That powerful example, the parable that Jesus taught, can help us to appreciate that which took place on October 2nd, 1928. In 1928, God led St. Josemaria to discover in his soul that tiny seed, that message, the message of Opus Dei, that only God could have placed there. It was at that moment a very small grain meant to grow in the great field of the church. Just a few months after that moment, on October 2nd, 1928, the 26-year-old priest, Jose Maria, wrote down in his private, his diary, the following words. Ordinary Christians, dough being leavened. Ours is to be ordinary, natural. The means, everyday work. Everyone a saint. Silent, self-giving. Those words are very moving because we see with what clarity that young priest saw he saw everything there in that new spirituality right from the start. And he immediately set out to proclaim that the calling to be holy is for everyone. Not that long ago, Pope Francis wrote, Every saint is a message that the Holy Spirit takes from the riches of Jesus Christ and gives to his people. 
Saint Josemaria received a message that he embodied in his own life. He himself became the message. And his life and words began to challenge many people. Take, for example, the very first point in the way. Don't let your life be barren. Be useful. Leave a mark. Shine forth with the torch of your faith and your love and set aflame all the ways of the earth with the fire of Christ that you bear in your heart. The founder had every right to use these, these strong words. The torch of your faith set aflame set aflame all the ways of the earth with the fire of Christ that you bear in your heart. He had every right to use those words because he was on fire. He carried that fire inside as one of the very first faithful of Opus Dei ordained to the priesthood. Father Joseph Muskis quickly realized. That young engineer remembered for the rest of his life the first time that he spoke with St. Josemaria. That young engineer heard something that perhaps he had never heard before, the possibility to be an apostle in and through his own work. And right away during that conversation, St. Josemaria added, the only real love is God's love, love with a capital L. All the others are little loves. These words deeply impressed Jose Luis Musquiz, who later wrote, one could see that it came from the depths of his soul, from a soul in love with God. All the mental circuits I had in place, they all melted right on the spot. Back in 1992, right after the beatification of Jose Maria, the then Cardinal Ratzinger gave a homily during one of the Masses of Thanksgiving. And during that Mass, during the homily, he said with his characteristic simplicity and depth, the meaning of the word holy has undergone a dangerous narrowing over the course of time. And this certainly still influences it today. It makes us think of the saints whose statues and paintings we see at the altars of miracles and heroic virtues. And it suggests that holiness is for a chosen few, among whom we cannot be included. Well, then we leave holiness to the few of an unknown number, and we content ourselves with being just the way we are, Amidst that spiritual apathy, Jose Maria issued a wake-up call, shouting, no. Holiness is not something extraordinary, but rather ordinary. It is what is normal for every baptized person. Holiness does not mean the sort of heroism that is impossible to imitate 
but rather it has a, a thousand different forms. It can become a reality anywhere, in any job, and it is what is normal. This is the great gift that God gave to St. Josemaria and to all of us, a path to holiness that is to be found in our normal daily circumstances. He taught us how to bring our faith to bear on everything we do. At this moment, we have the marvelous example of Guadalupe Ortiz, the chemist who was recently beatified. Reading her biography and letters to St. Josemaria is downright reassuring because she faced the same daily battles that we all do against laziness, pride, disorder, and so forth. Even though Opus Dei's spirit leads us to have initiative in seeking to, do better the, to, seeking to better the world, the spirit of Opus Dei does not lead above all to doing things or to doing more things than what we were doing before. What it does lead us to do is to do things in a different way. Striving to be with God in everything we do. Striving to, do, to share everything with Him. In those very striking words from one of St. Josemaria's homilies, our vocation is to follow Christ and to follow Him so closely that we live with him like the first 12. So close to him that we identify with him, that we live his life until the moment comes if we have not hindered it, when we can say with St. Paul, it is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Perhaps over the years, a friend or two has asked you, why the need for Opus Dei? I mean, here's Vatican II proclaiming the message of the universal call to sanctity. Isn't it enough for each parish church to pass along that message? Why the need for an entire institution? And perhaps each one of us, as we have taken on that question and thought about it, we've reached deep down into our own experience and come to the realization, well, with the passing of the years, it becomes more and more obvious that it is not enough to issue some document announcing the universal call to sanctity. Our human condition requires that we not only hear an important idea once or twice, or even once a year, but rather that we need to be shown how, on a day-by-day -day basis, to incarnate that spirit. I mean, it's one thing to say the universal call to sanctity, but that would leave everyone thinking, well, now what do I do? What, what does that mean?
tennis players, golfers, and a lot of other people practicing that type of sport, they can all attest to the fact that they can spend hours watching instructional videos, but they still need an ongoing set of personal lessons to figure out how to put into effect those videos. And not to distract you too much, but today is a big feast day. You will be amused, the Lord will be amused by that, that insightful observation, speaking of golf, that golf can best be defined as an endless series of tragedies obscured by the occasional miracle. Well, going back to our need for being told how to incarnate this spirit. God foresaw the need for an institution that does nothing else. An institution entirely dedicated to conveying this message. Precisely through very specific means of formation, very specific approaches to the apostolate, and all of that aimed at serving God and others through our ordinary daily realities. Well, the fact that each of us is praying together today about this is a very clear example of what we're talking about. We want to come back and we need to come back again and again and again, week after week throughout an entire lifetime to learn how to incorporate this marvelous message into our life. St. Josemaria taught us to discover how closely our Father God is following us, not just on Sundays, but at every hour of the day. And he taught us how to respond to that love in a way that is in constant crescendo. In a homily in Friends of God, St. Josemaria says, Jesus approaches you, he approaches me. He hungers, he thirsts for souls. On the cross, he cried out, I thirst. He thirsts for us, for our love, for our souls, and for all the souls we ought to be bringing to him along the way of the cross, which is the way to immortality and heavenly glory. St. Josemaria was always on fire. And to better appreciate his ardor, a quick event, anecdote from the early years of Opus Dei. In the 1930s, when St. Josemaria was struggling to get the very first residence of the work underway, some people close to him advised him to not be in such a hurry. Well, right around then, while on retreat, he wrote down, hurry, it's not hurry. It is that Jesus himself is urging us on. That young priest was, he was urged on, like St. Paul, by Christ's love. With this same serene urgency, God wants us to call at the heart of each man and woman, Wake up to the fact that you are loved, in the words of St. John Paul II.
and to do so in a normal, natural way, loving and letting oneself be loved by everyone, helping and serving them, passing on what we know, learning from them, sharing challenges and projects, problems and worries, creating bonds of friendship. All of this right there where we work, where we rest, where we shop. Right there we can be leaven, salt, light for the world. One way to summarize this powerful and very, very positive vision of St. Josemaria is with the phrase, passionately loving the world as God loves it. You remember so well those words from the third chapter of St. John's Gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The fact is that God loves the world he has created, and he loves the world passionately. For that reason, the world is not an obstacle to holiness, but rather the world is the native place for holiness. It's where he wants us to be. The core of Opus Dei's message is contained in this conviction that we can be holy not despite living in the world, but rather by taking advantage of the world, being deeply immersed in it, because the world, this mysterious amalgam of greatness and wretchedness, love and hate, rancor and forgiveness, war and peace, this world of ours awaits with eager longing the revealing of the sons of God, as St. Paul writes. As we well know, Opus Dei's spirit has at its nucleus a specific spirituality of work. The founder often preached about the first pages of the Bible, where God reveals mankind's relationship with the world. Genesis employs two verbs, to keep and to cultivate. That second verb, to cultivate, means both to work usually the earth, as well as to offer cult. It unites work to worship. What that means for us is that by working, we not only attain self-fulfillment, we also offer a pleasing worship to God because we love the world as he loves it. Therefore, sanctifying our work means in the end making the world more beautiful, making, making room in it for God. Those 30 long years of the hidden life of Jesus in Nazareth were a favorite theme of the prayer and preaching of St. Josemaria. How wonderful it is to imagine Jesus during his adolescence, when he was in his 20s, day after day, putting his whole heart and soul into his professional work. It is moving to imagine the Lord at the age of 30, when the time came to launch into his public life. 
On that day, he no doubt spent time bidding adieu to the workshop where he had spent more than 20 years hard at work. As he went over to the wall and placed his apron there for the last time, Jesus must have experienced a wave of nostalgia, tenderness, loyalty towards his customers, as well as an irresistible urge to get on with the next chapter in fulfilling his father's plan. Thanks to the preaching of St. Josemaria, many people have discovered a whole new meaning to their ordinary tasks. He showed us that there are jobs that, even though they may seem of little importance to earthly eyes, in God's eyes, those tasks have immense value because of the love and care put into them with a desire to be useful. In the words of the current Prolative of Opus Dei, sanctifying work does not mean doing something holy while we're working but rather making the work itself holy. Not that long ago, a friend was telling about a powerful experience he had in very ordinary circumstances. He had been invited to participate in a golf tournament to raise money for a hospital. And after the round of golf at this private golf club, his friend, who's a, a priest, went into the, the, into the locker room where the only person present was a 65-year-old locker room attendant. And that attendant looked up and said to the golfer, who was dressed in golf clothes, obviously, you had a wonderful round of golf. It was a gift of the Lord. Well, this priest was impressed with that and looked over and said, thank you very much, you're absolutely right. And then the attendant disappeared. 20 minutes later, he came around the corner. He saw the priest who by then was in his clerical garb and he was surprised and said, oh, Father, I had no idea you were a priest. So that attendant went on, he proceeded to explain his, his operating system. He said, every time anyone walks through that door into the locker room, I say a prayer for him. Then that member puts his golf shoes at the foot of the locker. I pick them up. I do a fantastic job of cleaning them and polishing them. They look like brand new when I'm finished with them. Then I put them back at the foot of the locker and I say to Jesus, okay, Lord, you take these shoes and whoever puts his feet in them, and lead them back to you. And as you can imagine, the, the priest, all he could do was, was to say to this, this attendant, Sir, congratulations, you have turned a rather humdrum job into something magnificent. Well, that golf club attendant, as you can imagine, would easily understand the spirit of Opus Dei. 
A final anecdote can help us to understand and appreciate even more this marvelous message that God gave to St. Josemaria so many years ago. In 1945, a residence, a student residence, was being opened in Bilbao, in northern Spain. People gathered for the blessing of the chapel that was done by St. Josemaria. Well, it just so happened that there was a large group of workers who showed up just about the same time Mass began. And these workers started working. They started continuing, well, they continued their task of finishing that residence. And so, as you can imagine, there was the sound of jackhammers and sanding, all sorts of different noises that uh, St. Josemaria had to compete with as he went about celebrating Mass. Just before he gave communion to everyone gathered there, he, he turned to them, walked over to the, to the pulpit, because he wanted to address some words to people, to those who were there attending the Mass. He wanted to get across a very important aspect of the spirit of Opus Dei. And so he said that all that noise surrounding them during the Mass had actually helped him to be that much more recollected. Precisely because we are called to find ourselves and to sanctify ourselves in the midst of the noise of the world. And in the midst of that world, with our head and heart set on God. Well, there it is. A very, very concrete incarnation, so to speak, of this message that the Lord wanted to pass on to us through this faithful servant. We ask Saint Josemaria as we finish this time of prayer to give us his fire. He who from the very first moment in 1928 could not stop thinking and speaking and acting anything to get across this, this call, this ardent call for sanctity. He will help us to take this call ever more seriously. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.